For those of you that don't know us, I'm Krista. This is Jared. We're the Curtises. We have two little boys, a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And yes, you can do ministry with babies and toddlers. <laughs> it's absolutely possible. <laughs> um, so Christian and Sue, how many were here last week and heard Christian and Sue open up the topic of relationships? Okay, a couple people. Cool. They laid the most amazing foundation. It was incredible. If you haven't heard it, go online. It's on the website. Uh, you can listen to it. Just laid a foundation for um, the value for relationships and covenant and the marriage covenant and things that can uh, come in the way of that being as beautiful and wonderful as God designed it to be. <laughs> so Jared and I, we're actually in the middle of a, a series. It's going to go for a couple more weeks. So this week, we are going to talk about keys or connection keys. And next week, we're going to talk about connection tools and to just kind of give you guys the difference between the two is that keys are gifts that are given to unlock doors that are otherwise closed. So they're like a gift from God into our lives. And tools are what, we, uh, what we're given to build relationships. So just to give you guys some reference to what we're going to be talking about both weeks. Um, so Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, I just thank you for your presence here right now, Lord. And we just invite you to minister to the deepest parts of our hearts, which are in relationship, in relationship with you and relationship with those that we do life with and that we're the most intimate with in our life, God. I just pray you would open up our hearts to receive what you have for us today. Amen. I'm having a hard time with this. I, uh, that word given during worship... Where's the sound guy? Am I quiet or am I loud enough? Can everyone hear me? How about in the back? Okay, good. Uh, that word during worship about uh, the homeless and the sick and uh, the dirty coming in while we're worshiping, I just, the Lord gave me a picture that I've never seen, and that is of the spiritually distraught, those in the church who have left the church, who have been dirtied, who have been hurt, because of what we're talking about right now. And it just absolutely wrecked me. Because when we hear about dirty, we think homeless. But there's so much of the church body that's homeless. Because relationships haven't been done the way God intended. And so I've never felt opposition to a message. Like I have to this message we're going to share right now. And so I'm, I might have a hard time getting through this. So you guys are just going to have to bear with me. Uh, but Holy Spirit has been sharing some really, really incredible core foundation things. And I'm like, why are you sharing this with me now? I should have known this like a long, long time ago. So uh, I'm going to start by reading in uh, Matthew. And you guys are going to have to bear with me. Do I got grace for you guys to bear with me? Because this might get a little messy. It's going to be good. It's going to blow your mind. It's from Holy Spirit. It's for you today. Uh, but I'm the middleman, and it might get a little messed up <laughs> on the way to your heart, okay? So just bear with me. Uh, so this is Matthew 16. I'm reading the Passion Translation, uh, starting from verse 21. A uh, little backstory. Jesus is with the disciples. He just asked, uh, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're God. You are from God. And he said, blessed are you because the Holy Spirit revealed this to you. 
and upon this rock I'll build my church, like this epic, amazing moment of declaration. And then directly from there it says, from then on, Jesus, this is verse 21, from then on Jesus began to clearly reveal to his disciples that he was destined to suffer, to go to Jerusalem and suffer from the elders, leading priests, and religious scholars. He also explained that he would be killed and three days later be raised to life again. Peter took him aside to correct him privately. He reprimanded Jesus over and over saying, God, for, uh, God forbid, Master, spare your life. You must never let this happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get out of my way, you Satan, for you are an offense to me because your thoughts are only filled with human viewpoints and not the ways of God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. You must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. Some, some translations, your probably, translation probably says to, to carry your cross uh, and share it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. Now, this is a really interesting scripture when we're talking about relationships and connection to marriage. I realize that. This is where the bearing with me starts. Uh, but Holy Spirit led me to this scripture, and uh, there's a few things that we need to understand, first of all. One, at this point, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. So when he's explain, explaining to the disciples, this is how you follow me. You pick up your cross, and you carry it. Their picture wasn't him up on the cross being sacrificed. Another thing that's interesting to know is the people, Jesus says, I'm going to go and suffer in Jerusalem injustice. And who are the people that he's suffering injustice from? It's the elders, the priests, the religious scholars, everyone who should know the best who he is and why he's on earth. The people who have studied God and know God the most, who he is, are the, is the one he's going to suffer from. Oh, where's my notes? So the question is, what is suffering at the cross? Now this, I'm really excited for this part because this has been so twisted. This whole scripture of pick up your cross and follow me has been so twisted by the religious spirits in so many ways. And it's really disgusting. It's really sick. I saw this video where, where there's this cartoon of someone carrying the cross. And they get down their knees and they complain and they say, Jesus, it's too heavy. So he like cuts a piece of the cross off. And they like are going on and it gets too heavy. And they're like, Jesus, it's too heavy. So he cuts a piece of the cross off. And then like all these people get to this cliff and heaven's on the other side. And he like picks up his cross and puts it over and it's too short now. And he doesn't even get it. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. That's blasphemy. That is not the gospel. So just bear with me. That, this thing is twisted, but it's, it's very prevalent in church culture. That whole works, that whole uh, religious spirit is very prevalent. But that's, I want to bring to you today that that's not what God's taught, or that's not what Jesus is talking about here. So what is he talking about then? Uh, if you go to John 17, let's see here. I have it right here. Thanks, babe. <laughs> I don't have a lot of time for this. If you go to John 17, Jesus is in the garden. 
And he's praying to God. This is right before he goes to the cross. And he says, Father, I've manifested who you are, who you really are, and I have revealed you to the men and women that you have given me. They were yours, and you gave them to me. Uh, so typically this whole uh, carrying your cross is chalked up to persecution. When you preach the gospel, you get persecuted. And that's what this, this idea of the cross, carrying your cross, is dealing with the persecution that comes when you preach the gospel. Has everyone heard that or that's in line a little bit with what you've heard? Uh, but the interesting thing is that, that Jesus or the Holy Spirit really highlighted to me here is that God is act, Jesus is actually going through a process of explaining how to do relationship. And what did Jesus come to do? He came to forgive us of our sins, but ultimately he came to restore a relationship. And how did he accomplish that? He accomplished that on a cross. So therefore, what he's doing, when he says, if you want to follow me, he's saying, you need to take up what it is that I'm carrying. Which is to do, to restore relationships and do them the way God intended for them to be done at first. And this is crazy because how many people who are married or even in deep relationship have this thing where you're, you're arguing with your spouse and there's this sense of, it's this exact thing that's in this verse. It's so crazy. Spare yourself. You must never let that happen to you. How many people, the point of, of what goes on here, the tension, is you're protecting yourself because you're innocent. How many people have had long fights or discussions, you know, with your spouse where the whole time both parties, all you're trying to do is prove how innocent you are? How's that? <laughs> we've, we, yeah, we've all done that. We all know that. And it's so interesting because Jesus is talking about carrying his cross to the place he would be sacrificed. What happened while he was carrying his cross? He was cursed. He was spit upon. The people that he was giving his life to protect and die for were treating him wrongly. And it's interesting that this scripture in John where it says, he's, he's before the Father, he says, I've done my job. I've shown the people you've given me what you're like. I want to propose to you that that is what carrying your cross is. That's what gospel community is. I'm a father. God's given me people. One day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to get to say, I've shown them what you're like. The people you put in my sphere, the people you gave me influence over, that you gave me authority over, I showed them what you're like. And I can guarantee you most people who leave church, it has to do with one of two things. Something really hard traumatic happened in their life, and they're trying to reconcile with God's goodness. Or relationships were done wrong. They weren't showed God. Oh, man. I think a, an important point in that is that on verse 21, it says, From then on, Jesus began to clearly reveal to his disciples what, that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer injustice 
from the elders when Jared was speaking about suffering from those that are the closest to you or those that should know the most about you and actually being willing to suffer injustice or offense at the cost of protecting connection and taking your relationship to a place of reconciliation and restoration. Yeah. And okay, so I'm in this part, but there is one really cool thing. I'm reading, I was reading the crucifixion story this morning, and Jesus is carrying his cross, right? He's carrying his cross, and at the, there's a point where they actually pick someone to carry his cross for him because he's not able to. Does anyone remember this part of the story? Uh, I don't know if it's Reuben or what his name was. Simon, Simon. So this guy Simon comes, and it's so interesting because that's such a beautiful prophetic picture of the Holy Spirit in our life. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a helper to come alongside of us and carry us into our destiny. Has anyone ever seen that before? It's just so beautiful. Every part of that, the story of of what Jesus has done reveals something. It reveals some of these keys that we're going to go over here. Where's my clicker? So, key number one. And I would argue that this is the most important key to life, not just relationships. Key number one is the Holy Spirit. Everything God intended for you to do and everything Christ died for you to be able to do was only intended to be accomplished by partnership with the Holy Spirit. That includes parenting. That includes marriage. That includes friends, us developing community and culture. And, and this is so near and dear to my heart because this has been the most powerful thing I've experienced of the kingdom of God that's brought transformation to my life to my relationships, it's made me a man that's an incredible husband, an incredible father. Not because of what I've done, but because he's walked with me every step of the way. One of the, the questions I ask more than anything is what do I do? Or Holy Spirit help me. Especially in marriage. You know, we'll have these, these times. No, it's true. I mean, whoever's married here knows there's these times when love has the opportunity to be shown the brightest is when there's the most challenge and opposition between you. And John 17, uh, oh man, I got to read this to you guys. This is going to blow you away. Jesus says, glorify, ask the Father, glorify me now. And then he goes on and he says, my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. Us actually choosing to walk out relationship the way God intended it by putting those God put in our life first is what actually gives glory to Jesus according to what he's saying here. And so, with the Holy Spirit, this is super practical. If you've never heard the Holy Spirit, ask the Father, I want to know your spirit. I want to hear your spirit clearly, because it will, I don't know how people do marriage without Holy Spirit, honestly. 
it's so incredible to me that anybody can, that a marriage can stay together. It's, it's that even a, how a business is work, like he's in everything. His delight is in everything. And, and I so love walking this out with Holy Spirit that you take that key out of it and everything else is dysfunctional. It may feel okay. It may feel right. And you may even feel like you're having success in marriage or in parenting, but it's not what God intended. And that's the cross that Jesus bore, restoring what God intended. I think uh, definitely in our hardest moments, Jared and I have always asked the Holy Spirit what to do (laughs) and how to respond and how to be. And it's so practical and it's so simple. And the other keys, really, it is the master key. The Holy Spirit is the master key. Um, Because the other keys don't really work without him, (laughs) you know? Um, So, hmm. I mean, I have a practical story. You guys want to hear a story? Stories are great. Uh, Chris and I were fighting one night. We we weren't, I mean, we weren't fighting, but we were in bed and we were facing the opposite direction as far (laughs) to the edge of the bed. We weren't talking, you know, we weren't like throwing anything at each other. But we were in the midst of disconnection in that moment. And I don't, to this day, neither one of us remember what it was that we were upset about. Some sort of offense came up or something. I don't even know what he's going to talk to you and, about. And I was laying there. I was laying there, and I was like, Holy Spirit, because, you know, when you're married, it's like going to bed separated is the worst thing ever. It is. And so we, like, at whatever cost, even if it means staying up all night, we always work to reconcile before we go to sleep. Uh, But I'm sitting here, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. And he's like, this is what I want you to do. And it's like, I don't know, 1130 at night or something. He's like, grab your phone, put on your wedding song, and pull her out of bed and dance with her. Needless to say, everything was fine after that. Now, (laughs) Now, we did that. We didn't even speak about what, whatever it was that we were arguing about. But what happened was it released something that overcame whatever opposition there was. But here's the thing. There's been several times we've been in a similar situation since then where I'm like, Holy Spirit, can I use a dance trick? <laughs> Never again. He's like, no, there's no grace for that right now. So we need him. We need him to know what's going to work in moments. There's a reason that Jesus healed people in different ways all the time. It's because the Holy Spirit was leading him to do different things. Even Jesus said, it's good that I go because the Holy Spirit's better than I am. Right. Okay, I got to stop. <laughs> so good. I could just sit and listen to you the whole time. So good. Um, we love relationships, you guys. I mean, I feel like we carry so much hope for really amazing relationships not just marital relationships but we do have a specific passion just for that because we just believe that it can be really good and it's supposed to be really good but also within every relationship of life any all intimate relationships of life if we choose to step into them and and push into them and let God lead us in them they're so life-giving so life-giving so key number two for connection so these are connection keys so The key number two for establishing connection is identity, which is agreement with God's view of us. 
So who, what we believe about ourselves is going to seep into every relationship into our life, how we do relationships, how we choose to act in relationships. If I, um, if I am not feeling particularly great about myself, which does happen on occasion, and I'm like, well, I don't really feel pretty today, so I'm actually really, I don't really want, I don't think he thinks I'm pretty, because I don't think I'm pretty, so now I'm going to hold him at arm's length, when actually he just really wants to be with me all the time. So Amen. It's <laughs> but there's, there, what we think about ourselves, we will portray onto other people, and we will believe and have an understanding of what other people think based on how we feel about ourselves. What we think about ourselves does not come from our innermost being. What we think about ourselves comes from Jesus, and it comes from Father God, and it comes from Holy Spirit. And it doesn't come, it shouldn't be coming from our past and our upbringing. It, it needs to come from the Holy Spirit, which is why the first key is the master key for this. So getting with God and hearing what he thinks about us is it is one of the most important steps that we can take to develop healthy relationships with the people around us. I want to read you guys something because this is legitimate. I'm going to take you to Romans 8 because Romans is one of the best books in the Bible. When I was 15, I started memorizing it and it wrecked me. And it's crazy what you remember from your childhood. I can still recite a lot of it today. <laughs> um, so Romans 8, 15, and 16. I'm also reading out of the Passion Translation, which is, is a verses that you guys have probably heard a lot, but um, this is just so good. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Wait, let's read that again. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Did you put it up? It's <laughs> leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join with him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father, or in some translations it says Abba, which means daddy. It's just a super intimate term for God. For the Holy Spirit <laughs> makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. So here, this is saying, this is, this is the spirit that you've received. This is who you are as a born-again Christian. Your spirit has been born again. And you've received communion with God, with the spirit of God. And now the Holy Spirit makes the God's fatherhood real to you. So if you're trying to understand God's fatherhood without the Holy Spirit, you might want to trace back a few steps and say, okay, I need to gain this understanding from connection with the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit's job to reveal Jesus to us and Father God to us. That's everything 
he just takes us back. Just like with Jared, he took him on this long journey. Where did he take him? Back to the cross. Back to Jesus. Who is Jesus? What is he saying? What is he doing? Why did he do it? And it's like the whole Bible gets opened up to you through the Holy Spirit. So this, is, this has to be a foundation. This has to be the foundation of what we believe about who we are in order to love well, in order to be free of self-condemnation and self-accusation and that spirit that says you're not good enough. That's a lying spirit from the pit of hell. It's not from God. <clears throat> so there's another verse in Colossians 1.9, which is also up here actually. And I just love this because <laughs> it's like we've kept you always in our prayers. This is Paul. Paul's amazing, you guys. Just His books, just it's all... Like really Romans, uh, Ephesians, and Colossians, it's just identity, identity, identity. He's like, this is who you are. So <laughs> if you want to just, if you feel like, oh, I need this piece of identity, go back into those books and start digging into those books because he just like, he, it's like he can't get away from it. He just keeps preaching the same message. He just preaches it in a different way and goes around. But Paul is just like, you need to know. You need to know that God loves you. You need to know that you're accepted. You need to know that you're a child of God. And he says, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. The perfect knowledge, complete, perfect, whole, the whole knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives. He doesn't just like us. He doesn't just, well, they're cool, you know. He has such delight and pleasure over our lives. Oh, his joy. Like, as a parent, you experience this in a different way than, than you do before you become a parent. At least for me, anyways, I won't declare that over anyone. But for me, God's delight over me became so real when I became a parent. Because I was like, I just love you. All you do is poop and pee and cry all day. And I'm just like, you're the most amazing thing. And I just, <laughs> I just can't wait till you open up your eyes and like squeeze your cheek a weird way. And that's all you can do. But I love you. <laughs> and it, this is God, like over his delight, his joy over our lives. Like, oh, what are they going to do? This is so exciting. I want to, he just wants to partner with every move that we make. So here's the foundation of who we are. This is, this is the identity piece that we, have to, that we have to grab hold of in order to be healthy and to live out healthy relationships with other people. So walking in the revelation of our identity as loved, accepted, and powerful. Sometimes you have to declare the truth before you believe the truth. I went through a season in my life where I had written down all the lies that I was believing about myself, and it was a long list. And then I wrote out my declarations that were the opposite, that I did not believe at the time, but I was going to believe them, and I was determined because I knew that there was light at the end of the tunnel. I knew that I didn't need to live in a place where constant self-hatred and accusation was flooding my mind. I knew that there was more, and I knew that there was hope for a life outside of that. And so I wrote down all the declarations, and I would stand in front of the mirror, and I would declare and I would speak to myself love every day, every single day for months and months and months. And some of the times I was like, this is stupid. I don't even believe this stuff. I don't even think this stuff. But you know what? I got free. Like I totally got free. Our, the power of our declaration and the power of our words is so 
important in, in retraining the paths of our mind that have gone in a certain direction. So I just want to encourage you guys. I don't have time to go into a whole thing on this, but if you, if you can recognize the lies in your life, say, thank you, God, for showing me that lie. Thank you. Now I'm going to turn it around, and now I'm going to declare the opposite, and I'm going to receive your truth of what you say about me. Um, so choosing to break agreements with the lies that we've made and then choose to step into the truth of who God says we are. So the best thing I ever did before I got married was to become emotionally healthy, honestly. I'm so glad I didn't, have, I didn't do a lot of the work that I did single when I was married. So just an FYI, for those of you that aren't married yet, it's so, it's so much harder to pull all your ugly out when you have your person that you love and you just want them to think you're amazing and beautiful all the time. And it's so hard to pull your junk out in front of them and that you have to do it if you're married. Like, there's just no other way to establish that intimacy and connection. Amen. It's awesome. It's still good there. But I'm so thankful that I was had some guidance and was able to walk through some of those processes before I got married because I had to face my baggage. I had to face my sin. I had to face the lies that I had empowered in my life. And then I had to break my agreements with them to be able to step in. And now it's, it's like a maintenance thing. You know, it beca- it's actually, it really doesn't last forever. <laughs> I just want to encourage those of you that feel like this is never going to end. It really doesn't last forever. I still get lies sometimes. Like I used to have a really struggle with my self-image and I was lived in the world for a long time and just believed that you're only as beautiful as your outside is and your weight determines your uh, love level, you know. And I just had all these crazy things that I worked through, you know. And when I got I got totally free. Like, I really got free. I had eating disorders, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I got, I got totally free. Jared and I get married, and then I get pregnant. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I am not looking great, <laughs> you know. Or I had a lot of this stuff come back up, right, and resurface. And I felt, and I was like, Jesus, why? I'm free. This isn't supposed to be happening. And he's like, just do it again. And it was like, so easy that time. It wasn't even, it wasn't the challenge and the hardship that I went through to do it the first time. So I just encourage you, like, even if things circle back around that you feel like I've already dealt with that, just do it. Just deal with it again and it'll go. It's not, it's, it doesn't have as deep of a stronghold in your life as it did before. Can I add to that? Yeah. <laughs> I want to speak specifically to the single people here. I want to reiterate the point of the gift of seagullness that you have right now. Because it doesn't always feel like a gift. But you have the ability to sow seeds right now that are what are going to reap the harvest of amazing marriage. And way too many times, the focus to want to be married or to get there hinders us from being able to develop the relational skills that are actually going to make us succeed and thrive in marriage. Just go after it, you guys. And Just go after it. Like, for instance, like, we'll probably talk on this later because it's like a whole message in itself is so amazing. But the way you protect your purity is what develops your ability to be a good parent. It's not like I'm going to work to be pure, and then when I get married, purity is like over. No, purity is the most valuable thing that God's given you to protect. 
when you start dating, now it's the most valuable thing you and the person you're dating have to protect. What does that do? You guys become married. You guys have children, which are now the most valuable thing that you guys share together. You guys were trained how to raise those children together because you learned how to fight for your purity together. And you we'll have talk a, more about that And you that have later. a garden in marriage. <laughs> you have a garden that is also protected by your purity oh together in marriage. So, oh my yeah, we, that's a whole other message, babe. <laughs> yeah. But it's so good. Isn't that amazing how God designed that to work? And a lot of us haven't heard that growing up. That's new to us. But it's so beautiful how God created us to work. So when you're single, the most valuable thing you can do for your marriage is work on it when you're single. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Key three. Okay, Key this, number three. This is a scary one, guys. <laughs> Key number three, vulnerability. <laughs> Man, vulnerability is the most amazing thing ever. It really is. Uh, you know what's amazing about relationship, the way God designed relationship, is that the most, the deepest love can be displayed is in the most midst of the hardest things in life. Not the easy, fun, lovey-dovey, you know, entertaining good things. And vulnerability is one of the places where, uh, it's funny because we didn't actually have this, but the Holy Spirit brought it up and, and told us to add it because it really matters to him in developing community. Without vulnerability, you can't be seen. Holy Spirit, uh, two days ago, all day long he was talking to me, and he, and he said, you know the devil's aim at the church is to get people alone. And he doesn't care how many people they hang out around. You can be, you can be around people all day long in all sorts of different spheres of influence and still be completely alone. Because you've never learned how to be vulnerable and how to let people in. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, three things that keep us from vulnerability, and then we're going to talk about three fruits of vulnerability, what we get to experience because of vulnerability. Vulnerability really is, it's the ground that intimacy grows out of. It's the soil that true intimacy grows out of. I have a, a short story to share with that. So Jared and I, for those of you that don't know, Jared and I met at the School of Supernatural Ministry in Reading. It's a ministry school up there. It's very large. Um, so I was sitting in school class. This is before we got married. And, and um, one of the teachers that was lecturing was um, talking about your, the relationship between your soul, your body, and your spirit. And was, he asked us to put our hands on our heart which was something at that time that I had never done before, and ask our hearts how they were doing. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> never thought to ask myself questions like that. But I talk to myself all the time now. I have reconciled several portions of myself to each other. <laughs> ask forgiveness. My body's asked forgiveness from my soul. And my, I mean, there's just, there's so much in that. But so I, I was, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Heart, how are you doing? And my heart was like, I'm lonely. And I'm like, there are 1,200 people in this room. <laughs> How can you be lonely? I really didn't get it. Like, I didn't understand the fact that I was so, I had developed such an independent spirit, like what Sue was talking about, through my life and my choices, getting up to, like, 
getting wrecked in the Lord. And, and I, I knew how to be friends with people, but I didn't actually know how to let people in. I didn't actually know how to be vulnerable and to share. And in my mind, it was just like, well, it's good if people think you have it all together, right? <laughs> you're just, you know, you're, you're not an issue. You're not a problem. You're not a whatever, you know? And, and so it was from that point that the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit, he started to give me step-by-step instructions <laughs> on how to how to become vulnerable with people around me. Not everyone. This is not a message that says, now go out and open up your heart and just go ahead and share your deepest, darkest secrets with every person that you come across. That's not, that's not this message. <laughs> Do what Holy Spirit tells but, you. <laughs> but it is saying that someone needs to know you. Someone needs to know you. Someone needs to really know you and really see you. And if nobody knows you, then ask the Holy Spirit who you need to open up your heart to, who you need to share yourself with. And so I started taking kind of step by step um, to, he's like, go talk to this person and tell them this. And I was like, okay. And I had friends started coming up to me and saying, oh my gosh, I just feel like I'm really your friend now. I feel like I really know you. Like you broke down in front of me and cried in front of me. I was like, yeah, that was a mess. You really like that? And they were just, yeah, I do. I feel, I feel like I know you. I feel like I can even invite you into more of my life too. So it goes both ways. So uh, in the Old Testament, there's six times the word vulnerability is used. And five of them are talking about walls around a city being weakened and being vulnerable. The city becomes weakened. And uh, Holy Spirit was speaking to me this morning and uh, we all have, we do this thing where we build walls around us to protect ourselves. Some of it, there's, there's things that are called boundaries, which are incredibly healthy. We all need to learn how to have boundaries to protect ourselves. Uh, and then there's also walls that we put up from past hurts, offenses, abuse, relational strife different things that we put up to protect ourselves from that happening to us again. And Holy, I'm going to speak now specifically to the married couples. Holy Spirit was showing me this morning uh, that what often happens when two people get married is they bring their walls surrounding their city together, and they don't ever learn how to bring those down and build a wall around them as a city. And what happens is the tension in the marriage ends up being strengthening the walls to protect me against being wrongfully accused, against being misunderstood, against being hurt, against these things. And we didn't actually understand that covenant means that was what your life was before covenant is no longer what your life is after covenant. And when you go into covenant with someone, you've now, we've now become a part of each other. We are the same flesh. We are one city. And all of our energy needs to look like how do we protect what God's given us and bring down the walls between us. And the walls between us are what is hidden, is what is scary to talk about, is what makes me look bad, is what is hard. To illustrate this point, when Chris and I were dating, uh, I was in Alaska. I went 
uh, for a summer and, and salmon fished in Alaska on a boat. And uh, I was absolutely head over heels in love with this woman. And I told everyone that I was going to marry her. We had been dating like two months. <laughs> but I was in Alaska, so you know I could do that. Uh, anyways, so, so I planned this, this uh, trip where I'm going to go out. Uh, the guy I was fishing with, he had a, his family had a cabin. It was like seven miles out in the woods from the city. No, nothing around. So I planned a week trip to take his four-wheeler and a shotgun to protect me from the bears and go out to this cabin, and I was going to spend a week just in the presence of God and wildflowers and Alaskan wilderness and my shotgun. Well, his shotgun, but... Uh, and I was just so excited about this. Well, what happened was, uh, a little bit of backstory. Those who know me very well know I come from a history of a lot of addiction and drug abuse and destroyed relationships, destroyed family. And one of those addictions that I struggled, probably one of the hardest addictions I struggled with was pornography. And uh, I had seen a lot of breakthrough in pornography, and it was like, you know, I was now done with my first year of school at Bethel and hadn't had an issue with it in a long time. Well, two days before this trip, I looked at pornography. And, and it was like, you know, I felt this had been such a big part of my past. It was just part of what I deal with. Any man who's been in that struggle or is in that struggle, because I guarantee you a, a lot of men in this room are to some point, uh, it's part of your, your battle. And this crazy thing happened. I went out to this cabin, and I didn't really have a good time. I didn't have the angelic encounters I was planning. I was going to fast, you know, because that's super spiritual and, like, makes stuff happen, right? Uh, so I get out there, and, like, I walk in, and there's, like, Pringles and chocolates. And, like, they stock this cabin with, like, all my favorite foods. <laughs> it did not let me know. <laughs> I brought, like, some some spinach and some, some vegetables just in case I had to eat. I was only going to eat vegetables, you know. So, so literally like 15 minutes in and I'm like popping Hershey's Kisses in and the Lord and I are having a discussion about my failures. <laughs> so, uh, and I really, I wrestled with God because he told me this thing that really offended me. He said, son... If you never struggle from this point on with pornography again, if that's completely broken in this moment and you never struggle with it again, will you still tell Krista about what you just did? And that brought this, me to this place of vulnerability that was really weird, where it's like, that doesn't make sense. If I'm never going to do it again, she doesn't know I've had an issue with it. We're just dating. I want to marry her. But if I'm never going to deal with it again, why would I bring that up and hurt her if it's not going to be an issue for the rest of our life. And I, for like three nights straight, this is what the Lord and I wrestled over. I was like, I don't want to do this. It doesn't make sense. Uh, but I, I did. I came back and, you know, we're at a place in our relationship where Holy Spirit was leading me to open up to this thing. And I told her. And from that point on, I, there's like something released over my life and the, the fight, the battle that I had with pornography ended at that point, which is really crazy to hear. There's hope that the battle actually ends. Now, there's still stewarding my heart, but it went from a battle where I feel like I'm losing often to 
I'm learning, I'm maturing and stewarding my heart and following Holy Spirit, and this hasn't been an issue. It's never been an issue in our marriage, which is crazy because I spent years and years hopelessly addicted thinking there's no way I could ever stop this thing. But what happened when I chose to let her into that is it gave her a place to celebrate who I'm becoming in God. It gave her a place for the walls around us to become strengthened. It gave gave us a place to build something together that was my thing, but when we got married became our thing. Is that like a beautiful picture of how vulnerability works? So we're going to talk about three things quickly. (laughs) This is so good. We need like several sermons for all this. So vulnerability establishes connection through overcoming elements that create or maintain disconnection. So like Jared was saying, there's two parts to vulnerability. One, if there's disconnection, it can help establish connection, but then it can also take it past that and offer fruit. So the roadblocks to connection, which Christian and Sue touched on really beautifully last week as well, um, fear. Fear in our hearts can create disconnection within relationships. Fear of what they think, fear of what we think, fear of of what's going to happen. Shame is a huge connection block, um, which is would probably be related to Jared's story. You know, if he would have made that agreement with shame, which is what he would have done. If in that moment, if he would have said, "I'm not telling her. I'm not going to tell her that I did that," because why wouldn't he tell me? Because shame, shame comes in. And so if you, when you, once you agree with that, like our agreement is so powerful, you guys. Once you agree with that and you step into it, you give it so much power. And that power will create disconnection in the relationships around you. So agreeing with fear, agreeing with shame, and then offense. Offense is one of the number one things that creates disconnection. And vulnerability is the pathway to reconciliation, but reconciliation is truly what overcomes offense. And we're going to talk more about reconciliation next week when we talk about some tools and give you guys some helpful tools with reconciliation, which are really, really powerful and have impacted our marriage so much. So amazing. Um, So those are things to think about when coming into disconnection or if you feel like there's disconnection in relationships and you're wanting to restore connection, you can ask Holy Spirit, what, what, where, where can I be vulnerable and where can I implement vulnerability to disarm fear, to disarm shame and to um, remove offense? Yeah, this is, it, this is never really changed. You know, they talked about this started in a garden and sin caused these things. And relationships have been suffering from them ever since, not able to to be what God designed them to be. Jesus came to restore our ability to overcome these and gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to overcome them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you thought about it, but we're called overcomers, and in order to be overcomers, we have to have something to overcome. If God were to make our life easy, we actually wouldn't be able to live out our destiny. He wouldn't be a good father if we didn't have something to overcome so that we look like him. And so these things will always be the cornerstones of the enemy's plan against your family, against your relationship, against your community. It really never changes. But 
The exciting part is the fruit. When Holy Spirit empowers you and walks you to get past these, when, when I stepped, when I came back and I sat Krista down and I told her, the exciting part is the fruit of what vulnerability creates. And this is like, this is the most important thing to, to really focus on because last week we got good, such a good dose of, of these three things. And now we're going to spend time looking. We have to know what the fruit of making these hard choices to let people in, to bring down the walls, to reconnect. What is the fruit of those? Bam. Bam. There's some of the fruit. Not all the fruit anyways. Uh, I already said, vulnerability is the ground where intimacy grows. Until you're vulnerable with someone, the enemy will always be able to whisper a lie in your ear that they wouldn't love you if they really knew what's inside of you. Has anyone ever heard that? Let's use the words vulnerability, transparency, and authenticity in this, in, in this segment. So they can mean different, I mean, they, they do mean different things, but in this context, we are kind of wrapping them those three things up in a package here. Yeah, that's good. Although using the word vulnerability. Yeah. Intimacy is a challenging word because it means different things to different people. Uh, if you look intimacy up, it means depth. of It means depth. And you can have depth of relationship uh, with any, anyone. Intimacy is not a sexual thing, although it can be in marriage. Uh, intimacy is not merely an emotional thing, although it can be in relationship. But the core of intimacy, the core of having intimate relationships is when you sh show the deep things inside of you, people are let into those spots and they know you deeply. There's deep relationship. Does that make sense to everyone? When I was looking up intimacy a little bit, just trying to wrap my brain around not just my understanding of it, but it also talks, the dictionary gives words like warm feelings. And it really does describe this this happy, sweet, pleasure-filled place of us that we get to experience. And so it is depth of relationship, but it is also a, can be cozy, warm, emotionally, you know, safe. Okay. Yeah, I just realized I said, like, basically all of those in my explanation. <laughs> I didn't read the slide. But... Pleasure is another one. Pleasure is like intimacy, where it's easy to look at pleasure and think about it in a certain context. Uh, but I am, I am so confident that we don't understand the full pleasure of God over our lives. We don't understand the pleasure of when we choose to develop relationship, when we choose to let people in, when we choose to ask him, Lord, what are we going to do today? My son Axton, every morning he wakes up and he runs over and he's like, hey, Dad, what are we going to do today? And I've learned from him. I wake up now before anyone else is awake in the house. And I go and I get my communion and I come before the Lord. I thank Jesus for this day. And I say, Lord, what are we going to do today? <laughs> There's so much pleasure in that. There's so much pleasure in the, the relationship that's been developed. But relationship... You can have relationship, you can have friends, you can have community, 
but depth of relationship that we're created to thrive in and to be known in and seen and loved in only happens as a fruit of us stepping into a place of vulnerability with the right people in our life the Holy Spirit's leading us to do that with. I don't share any more on that. Yeah, just that... Um, I've got more. I feel like there's so much... I feel like there's so much in this. You know? I mean, doesn't this list just look nice? I mean, I look at this and I go, yeah. <laughs> I want that. I want that. I want that with God. So I've had so many incredible counters with the Lord where you're just overwhelmed by his love. When I first got wrecked, you guys don't really know, some of you might not know my story, but I was away from the Lord for a very long time in my, my whole, like, 20s, <clears throat> and then came back to the Lord. And when God reintroduced himself to me, I had spent, like, three months of love encounters. I couldn't stop crying. I just was in his presence, and he just would tell me, how much he loved me. And I would be like, do you want me to do anything? Nope, I just want you to sit here and just weep and experience my love over you. And those, those months in my life were absolutely defining of who I am today because I was able to just sit and be and let him whisper his words of love over me. And that, in that vulnerability of me going, but what about this, Lord? Like, what about this thing that I've done? What about this relationship that's broken? What about this? And he was just, like, I love you. I love you in the midst of all of it. And so in that place of vulnerability of me opening up my heart to him, there, was, there were amazing moments of pleasure and joy and intimacy and depth that, that can't be experienced outside of being fully seen and fully known. And the same is with Jared. Some of my, like, hardest moments in relationship because I feel like, oh, I don't want to have this feeling or this offense or this, this thing come up. My, my, my imperfections come up for you to see. But in, these, in some of our moment, deepest moments of marriage where I've been, we've been vulnerable with each other about stuff that comes up in our lives that God is either helping us work through or we're just trying to figure out how to work through. <laughs> we're hoping the other person can help. You know, those, in those moments when, when he says, I love you, and when he's there with me and he sits with me and he sees me and he knows me, the aftermath of that is like, you know, it's like camp feeling, you know? <laughs> I don't know if everyone, people went to camp when they were young, but you go and you have all these deep relationships, and you have the campfire, and you leave like, oh, my gosh, this is the most amazing because it's so, you know, yeah, you just have that, like, intimacy, and you cre it creates this just warm, amazing depth in your relationship that you can lean into and that strengthens your relationship for future things that come up because it's all building for every challenge that you overcome and you 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 grow that cord that that cord of connection that then when something else comes and it tugs on that cord and it wants it to give way and offers that disconnect you have you have this past that's strengthened it and that's created a strong cord and now in order for us to get disconnected it has something really big has to come in you know and and even then we're so quick to reconnect because we don't like being disconnected we don't like that feeling of separation, of distance, because there's, that's not our happy place. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're running out of time. You guys got to come back next yeah. week because we're going to continue this crazy masquerade. Can I have everybody?